Well, welcome back, dolls. This week, I have my sweet friend from London, Louise, is back to join me again. And today we decide to tackle a very interesting concept. It actually came out of a video I did on TikTok that went viral. And it's talking, we, we decided to call it no man's land, where we struggle with insecurity and trust issues where there isn't trust issues. What do we do when our body is reacting and our insecurity flares up and we don't quite know how to handle it? We don't like the way our body's acting. So why don't you join us for an episode where we're going to understand what goes on in our bodies when we get into a relationship and how do we build trust with a person where we haven't even had trust ruptured. So join us today. As always, if somebody comes to mind as you're listening, feel free to send it forward. So grab a seat. I would actually grab some paper too and a pen if you'd like to take notes because there's a lot of good information. And won't you join Louise and I as we enter No Man's Land. Well, welcome back. It is so good to be with you, Louise. Always. The first episode was so good. I'm so happy we're doing it again. I I know. Me too. I mean, I think we both ended the same being like, okay, this is not a one-time thing. This is not a hookup. This is coming back <laughs> around. I don't want this to be a hookup. I want to see, I, I want to date you. <laughs> Ooh, like, I don't have attachment issues, but I attach to you really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. But I think sometimes, you know, you just vibe with people. You do. And it's just a good connection. Um, I mean, I think this is just, we're not even getting into what we're talking about today, but I think this is something that's so important to pause and say, like, you don't know when you're going to connect with someone. And sometimes you just meet someone and you're like, oh, I like you. This is a good fit. Or you get me or understand me. And I definitely ended our first episode feeling that way. Yeah. And also you said that in the first episode, because we were talking about how I met my boyfriend and you concluded that saying like, you never know when you might meet someone. And then actually we met in London. You flew to London. We went for lunch in London. Like everything worked out as it was meant to. So I feel like we just proved our own point and we just lived what you said in the first episode. So yeah. Yes. Oh wait, disclaimer. I did not stalk her and fly to London (laughs) just to see her. I was already there visiting my sister. <laughs> I mean, I like you, but I'm not going to stalk you. Fly to London just to have lunch. Although, I don't know, maybe that was such a great lunch. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I would come to LA just to meet you. So I think it's okay. We can both fangirl over each other. Yes. Yes, you can come to LA. You have a place <laughs> to stay. Can you share a little bit more about where we're headed today? For sure. So we were just brainstorming before doing this episode, like, what should we talk about? And I know that we always love to bring in real life situations. They just make everything so much more easy to connect with and understand. And I've just been thinking recently, I see all these podcasts out there about what to do when someone's cheated on you, how to rebuild a relationship. Should I stay? Should I go? And then I was thinking there's actually a step before that, that I think I fit into. So I'm going to be very honest today and share something that I'm going through right now and it's not dramatic and it's not stressful. And I think that when you're in a healthy relationship, these things actually can just be discussion points rather than conflict points. But that question that I want to broach with you today is, I'm in a long distance relationship and I think this applies to any relationship, but there are some moments where he'll go out partying in the evening. And so I want to dig into why that is because I have never been cheated on. So I don't have the traditional trust issues that maybe you would have if you've been cheated on. But sometimes I think, oh, like that doesn't feel so good. Like I wonder what he's doing. And I have no reason not to trust this man. We have such open dialogues and conversations and all of that. So yeah, I just wanted to talk about this like sticky in-between area when like sometimes you just feel a bit uncomfortable and you're like, do I trust them or 
do I kind of not trust myself? Like, is the problem coming from me or is it coming from them? Does that make sense? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I think, and this is why I was so excited to talk about this today. I think this comes from this culture too of the sense of like, it's not okay to be insecure. Mm. It's not okay to embrace this insecurity to be able to say is this is this like me is this going on in my own body is this my own insecurity or is this you is my body actually really picking up on something mm. that really isn't okay and so that when our, when our gut goes off and we're going to be talking about what that is then then it's helping flush it out right but oftentimes what happens is we do not give ourselves permission we'll start to beat ourselves up like you are being that crazy girl You are being that crazy girl. So then we try to silence our mouth instead of being like, wait, he's been out all night. I feel like I can't ask because I don't want to be that crazy girl. And when we try to silence it, that is our, then our body starts screaming because we're not tending to our body. So the body's not getting what it wants. That's a little bit of what's going on there. Our brain is like, don't do it. Don't say it. You're fine. And your body is like, uh, uh. I, I don't know here. It's a sense of like, are you the problem or am I, am I the problem? Is this my nervous system or is this, is there, are you really doing something that I should be alarmed about? Yeah. And taking it one step further as well. I find that I think about society in this topic on a sliding scale. So on one end of the spectrum, you've got the cool girl, right? We should do an episode on this because the cool girl needs to die because <laughs> wait, let's call it up. <laughs> the cool girl needs to slowly fade into like non-existence because the cool girl basically just means suppressing our reasonable needs wants or desires, right? So on one end of the spectrum, and that's the old me, you suppress, you just think, oh, if I just bite my tongue, then this will be over soon. And I'm sure it's fine. I'm going to ignore the gut feelings and I'm going to ignore everything. That's on one end of the spectrum. And then I feel like on the other is the total opposite of that, which I guess is like the neurotic, like anxious girl. And that's maybe when you're feeling it. And that's when you're messaging them all the time being like, hey, like, what are you doing? Can you just check in? Can you message me when you get home? And I guess that this is about finding a place in the middle where you communicate those feelings without them being overwhelming or obsessive or neurotic. Do you think that's fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me put let me put the brain and body language to what you just said. I'm actually okay saying the cool girl needs to die. Disclaimer, we're not talking in and about an actual cool girl, cool girl. The cool girl is that cognitive part of our brain, the cognitive part that says, don't do that. Don't say that because we don't want... And, and believe it or not, that cool girl, that cognition part of the brain that's not wanting your body to react, there's a reason why. That part of your brain is saying, if you do that, we may be rejected. Mm. And so the brain is saying, don't act, don't act on your feelings because we don't want to rock the boat. We want to be like, sure, babe. Yeah, absolutely. Have fun. Right. I'm not thinking about what you're doing. Right. And so <laughs> that, that part of the brain. So it's trying to believe it or not, even though we don't like the cool girl part of our brain and we do want to be able to say, thank you, brain. Thank you. I know you're trying so hard to keep us safe because it's really trying to help us. It doesn't want us to be rejected. Right. The fear is if I let my body react, then he might be like, you're crazy, bitch. No, we're out of here. And as the fear is like, don't rock the boat because we don't want to be rejected. So we want to be able to say, thank you, brain. Thank you, cool girl. I know you're trying to help me. I really know, but we got to go a different direction. So we're going to, in that way, we're going to bring her back down. And then the body reaction. Can we talk about how strong sometimes that body reaction can be? Like, can you, do we, what's that like for you? One of my favorite phrases is if it's hysteric, it's often historic. And I guess probably, oh my gosh, that's good. (gasps) I haven't heard that one. It's so good. I feel like now is an important part in the episode to explain that, okay, yeah, I don't have traditional trust issues. I have never been cheated on, but for many, many years, I dated a very erratic, 
man who would party really hard and would disappear, would be abusive when I would call him, you know. So of course I've developed in my mind and body this like reaction that is kind of hysterical and really not so much nowadays after going to therapy, but you feel it in your body. Like you sit there at home, you know, they're out, you feel it in your stomach, like the butterflies, the tight chest, you, oh, okay. I I know I need to just calm, but oh, I'm just going to look at their location or, oh, have their friends posted anything on Instagram. And your rational brain knows like, no bitch, this is mental. This is a good man. You have a healthy relationship. He's not going to do that to you. But the hysterical, historical part of you is like, (laughs) on the sofa, like in a crying shame. No, no, it's so true. I mean, if anything, if anything, if you walk away today feeling like, good God, thank you that I'm normal and that there are other people, I cannot tell you how common that feeling is. I'm an expert. I'm a licensed skilled therapist. I get that. I've gotten that feeling in my stomach too. It it is a very strong feeling. So here's what we want to do. So then how do you know between when it's something really going on and when it's my gut going off? right? And you've heard me say too, our body doesn't know time. So even if it wasn't about cheating, but even if you were in a relationship that did not have a consistency, our nervous systems like consistency. So if I'm in a relationship where it's emotionally erratic or emotionally inconsistent or inconsistent behavior, that sets our nervous system where it feels fragile. We like that consistency. That's why if somebody comes up to you, you know, I just had a, a video that just went completely viral on, on TikTok. And it's all about this guy that's holding this phone. He says to his girl in the car, like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe who like hit me up again on Instagram. And he has his phone open. They're looking at it together. That is so soothing to our nervous system when things feel open, when they feel consistent, right? And so recognizing that's okay for our body to want to feel consistent. So what do we do in those situations where our body goes off like that? Let's talk about what do we do in those situations. The first thing that we want to be able to do is recognize, okay, there's my body. My body just blew out of my zone. I bumped out of my zone. My nervous system is on. When our nervous system is on, it's because our amygdala, that middle part of our brain has sniffed out a potential threat, right? So your boyfriend, your girlfriend, they're going out clubbing or they're gone for the night. All of a sudden your body may read that as a potential threat. Now, when we get a potential threat, it is our job to figure out real threat or small, false alarm, let's bring it back down. Now, but we don't want to beat ourselves up for that big, strong body reaction because it picked up on something. This is such an important part. Even though you don't like the way it feels in your body, it picked up on something. It was something. It didn't pick up on nothing. And it's now our job to go in and say, okay, let me flush this out and see if this is something that I want to. And and you actually end up with a fork in the road. Do I want to self-regulate or do I want to sleuth? Do I want to sleuth? Do I feel my body go off and say, okay, I need to go get something to drink. I need to go for a run. Maybe I'll call a friend. Is there things I can do to self-regulate? Or I can go down the road of sleuthing. Sleuthing can also take on the form that says either I can say, hey, I need to ask a few questions here. Hey, I need a little bit more here. That's gathering more evidence to regulate my body. Or if that if that cool girl does not let us do that, sleuthing looks like when they go in the other room, I check their phone. Why? Because my body's trying to get more evidence. Mm. I don't know. Does any of this sound familiar or relatable? 
Yeah, so familiar. And I think it's just so interesting for me to classify like my old behavior versus my new behavior. So pre-therapy behavior and post-therapy behavior. So with my ex-boyfriend, the one that I told you was very inconsistent and my body was constantly looking for consistency because he took it away from me every time he went out. You know, the way that I would deal with things would be exactly that, sleuthing, looking at his friend's Instagram, seeing where is he? Because I didn't even know where he was half of the time. Of course, that was like deeply traumatizing, you know, for me. But post-therapy, I love that video that you shared that went viral because that is the kind of relationship that I am in. I remember in the first few months, I would say, oh, um, some guy that I used to date just messaged me. It was just about work. Here's the message. And my boyfriend was like, what? Like, why are you telling me that? This is so weird. And then actually after, after a discussion, he was like, oh, okay, like, this is so healthy. I I love it that you told me. I'm sorry that I was slightly thrown off when you did. Old girlfriends would have been trying to get me to be jealous, you know, to get a reaction. But now I understand that your intention is just creating this forum of open communication. I love it. And thank you. And taking that and extrapolating further, when I felt like this in the first few months of this long distance relationship, I had the healthy conversation and I sat him down and I said, hey, I'm not a big party girl. I don't drink. I don't take drugs. I really don't do that. So for me, I'm a very safe bet in terms of consistency. But you do like to party sometimes and that's okay. I'm not going to shame you for that. I'm not going to try and control you. I'm not going to try and change it. But I just want to communicate to you that I spent four years with a very angry, very toxic man who would go out he would disappear. He wouldn't tell me where he was, who he was with. He wouldn't come home. And he'd turn back up the next day with flowers. And for the whole 12 hours of silence, I was just like sick to my stomach. So, which by the way, that's like a fucking roller coaster. That is a fucking roller coaster. I mean, we can talk about him another day. I've spoken about him a lot on my my podcast. Like he is like toxic 100. We'll be having a three-part series just on him. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I wanted to say like the his name edit, but like, I can't use his name because I think it would definitely get back to him. But yeah, we will be doing a three-part series or a 30-part series on all of the toxic men in my life. (laughs) But yeah, I had this conversation with, with my current boyfriend, Absolute Dreamboat. And he said, okay, what can we put in place here? Yes. yes, What do you need? It is not needy to have needs. You know, it's so, and and that's what we need to kind of come back to to say, it's okay for me to say, I think this is just what I need. And if you've had a trauma history and not with this person, but if you have a trauma history or a trauma history of ruptured trust, it's also okay to say, you know what? I know that's not always going to look this way and I know it's not you and I believe you and I trust you, but my body right now needs this to help regulate my nervous system. That's a new thought. Just because you ask like something like, hey, for a short amount of time, I'm going to ask, would you be okay if you didn't take your phone into the bathroom? It's not you. I trust you. But when your nervous system has a trauma history of inconsistency or being cheated on, then it's like PTSD in our body. So I can actually say, I trust you. I believe you. I'm really just working. And I guarantee you won't always look like this, but I'm working on regulating my body. And there's times that I'm going to ask for their help. What is it that I need? What, what, what? is it do I need from you? And this would be helpful. And by the way, you want the kind of partner that can lean in. If that's going to make them run away, then especially if you have a trauma history, that's eventually it's not going to work. You can either deal with it now or a month from now, but you need the kind of partner that can lean into that. And on the other side, there are, there can be times that you can say, okay, 
I can either try to gather, I can either communicate with them, I can try to gather more evidence about where they are, which by the way, side note, never feels good. Think about anytime you look, have have you ever looked at where someone is and actually like it made you feel better more than like three seconds? Never. No, never. It never makes us feel good. It's like a hit though. It'll make a hit. It'll feel like a second of relief and then boom, it comes right back. It comes right back. Right. So the other part is that self-soothing. Are there times too that I can say, okay, before I look at their location, I'm going to go get a nice cool drink or take a cool can, a soda can, and just press it against my face. Let me do that first and go Mm. that direction. And I think that ties back to what we were saying, like death to the cool girl, because you just explained that having needs is not needy. It's very reasonable, especially if you can explain where these needs came from. And of course, are the needs reasonable? That's where people need to self-assess and be like, what is reasonable? What is reasonable? For me, I said to him exactly this. I said, I've had this experience. It's impacted the way I show up. I trust you implicitly. I have no reason not to, and I will invest my full trust in you. But there are a couple of things that I would like you to do whilst we work towards me being 100% free and easy. And those things were... If you go out, I just like to know you're going out, you know? So if I do end up looking at your location for whatever reason, and I see you're in a nightclub, I'm like, okay, cool. I, kn- I know you're there. And the second one, and you might tell me this is unreasonable, but, and I'm so open to that. But the second thing that I asked is that he just let me know, he just let me know when he got home. And the reason for that is because I have a big trauma around like after parties and in the UK, particularly like in London, there's these like big after parties from two till 8am where everyone goes and takes drugs. And I'm always in bed when my ex-boyfriend, the one that caused me this trauma would be at these parties. So I would never know when he would get home. Like it, it was just horrible to wake up in the morning and not know if he'd even gone to bed, where he'd woken up, if he was in a ditch, any of these things. So those were my two requests. Like one, can you just let me know if you're going out? And two, let me know when you get home. I don't need to know who you're out with. I don't need specifics. I don't want to control the situation. I just want to have reasonable info. And he was like, of course, that's so reasonable. And he does it. And honestly, it's been smooth sailing like ever since. So those were my needs. Do you think those were, do you think they were reasonable? Well, I I love what you're coming in is we're also leaving a little disclaimer to say, well, hold on. It's got to be in the realm of reasonable because if you're like, no, no, I want to be able to ask you every question and I want to be able to say, where were you and who are you with? And by the way, if somebody feels attacked or interrogated, our natural human brain is going to be like, I don't want to share shit. This is not a safe place to share. If I feel like I'm going to say like, hey, babe, just so you know, I had a work meeting and then we went out for drinks and I'm going to get the third degree from you. That's the last time I'm going to say something because then it ends up feeling like I'm going to be attacked. So we want to make sure what we're asking for is regulating to our body. If it puts us into a more of a like a, an interrogating or attacking mode, then that is about us managing our nervous system because we want to create an environment where they'll lean in, where they're not getting penalized. We also need to create language that says, okay, like this is helpful. This is reasonable. And also to say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure that's going to work for me. I'm not so sure I'm ever going to be okay with you staying out till like three in the morning on a weekly basis. Like, and it's more about lifestyle. So we also have to give ourselves permission to say, does this work for me or does this not work for me. But I still, I want to go back to something because we were highlighting it a second ago. I still remember the time when my therapist said to me a long time ago, and and we were talking about the cool girl. And she said, and I said, I not calling her that, but we're going to call her that now. And I was just like, I just need to make her like, I'm fine now. I've done so much work. I need to make her go away. And I remember her saying, I I don't, I don't think she's going to, I don't, I think you're going to have to ask 
more for what you need. And I remember like almost this like, like almost like I don't want to because I felt like if I asked for what I ne- I need needed at the time, that I would be too much. And I remember that feeling of like almost defeat of like, isn't there an easier way? Isn't there an easier way? Because I just want to go back to being the cool girl. And I couldn't get there without asking. The easiest route to being in a regulated state is by asking for what we need, knowing if it's going to be the kind of partner I need, it's going to be have someone who can handle this anyways, who can be able to walk with me and lean in. You are so right. And sometimes I even think that as well. You know, I think there's a tendency that we think it's really easy for everyone else. You know, that you're the only person sat at home on the sofa just feeling shit because your boyfriend hasn't texted you back for an hour, which is so reasonable, you know, and the the inner child inside of you and all those memories are just screaming at you. Yes. So, yeah, I, I think anyone that's listening, that's thinking, oh my goodness, you know, that is me as well. Just know that you're not alone. Both of us been there. I love it when therapists share that they've been there because everyone thinks therapists, you know, have done like just perfect. And actually, I love it when you're real as well. No. Yeah. You know, I have to tell you, I kind of get annoyed by people in my own field when they act like, no, we're all Zen and we've never had any problems. No, no. That means you're not in the ditch with humanity. I'm in the trenches with humanity. Like put me in the trenches with humanity. It says like, we are hot messes. We're all trying to figure it out. And the more I can lean in and understand my body, the more help I am to my clients not acting like I have it all all together, right? You are so right. And I guess my question for you is, so we're talking about having these reasonable self-assessments where we look inwards and say, okay, what do I need here that is reasonable? Yeah. And then we're talking about having that calm, regulated conversation. Yes. Like you said, if, if your partner, I mean, I am at a stage now where if my partner was to turn around and say, you are too much, this is crazy, what the F is wrong with you, mm-hmm. I would leave in an instant. But I also want everyone to know that I have stayed in relationships like that for years and years and years. And I want to say that there is hope on the other side. Like you can end up in a relationship where you can say to someone, this doesn't feel good. And the person will say, okay, baby, let's work it out. You know, how can we make this better? Right. Absolutely. Yes. And that's what we're looking for. See, I think what drives some people crazy, like fucking mad, is that they're trying to get their relationship to a place that feels good in their body. And rather than saying like, no, I can't, if if he or she would just jump in this box, then we would be fine. Right. But recognizing, oh, I need to be in the relationship where I have to communicate with them. This is the behavior I know I'm going to need. And they have to be willing to walk themselves over to that area. And then your body's going to be able to get what it needs. And again, it's it's self-regulating and co-regulating. So it doesn't rely just on them. If they would just do X, Y, and Z, I'd be fine. No, we also have to be able to co- we have to be able to self-regulate as well. Some of that's up to me. So some of that is mine. By the way, there's this quote I absolutely love. I can't say who it's from because I don't remember their name, but it's not mine. But it simply says, all the things that make the things that make you feel broken are actually the things that allowed you to survive your childhood. Wow. And I was like, oh. Right. So being so kind to these bodies to say, yeah, as I'm regulating my body, as I'm growing, as I'm learning how to communicate what I'm okay with and not okay with, can I have grace for myself? Because your body's not trying to sabotage you. It's really trying to help you and protect you and keep you from being hurt. Yeah. And I think that's wow, that, that's that's a very, very special quote. And I, I couldn't agree that, you know, if you're in a healthy relationship, you should be having these conversations and you should be with a partner that can reassure you. And I think my question for you is, at what 
point can you start to have these conversations? Because, you know, coming back to the cool girl, when you start dating someone, you are the ultimate cool girl. You know, you're not even a real person when you're dating someone. You're like, I'm just going to show you the perfect version of me and then you'll fall in love with me. And then I'm going to release the beast like later down the line when you fall in love with me. And that's, comes out. That, that's so true it, it, because we're really dating somebody's agent for the first few months. Right. Think about, think about a sports agent, what they do. They like sell the shit out of their clients. They're like, let me tell you what's so great about them. Like they make them amazing. Right. So you really are getting the best version of them. And we that's human nature. So we go easy on ourselves, but also recognizing there's going to come a time and a place where you see more of the real circle, the whole circle, their strengths and their weaknesses and rounding them out and getting their feet on the ground. Oh, you're off the pedestal now. You're human just like the rest of us. And then reconciling that. You have two people. There was another therapist that put it this way, and I loved it. And he says, it's not about finding the perfect mate. It's about how somebody who, who can manage, you can get triggered with, and it still feels safe. That's what we're looking for in a partner rather than this ideal perfect person that has checked boxes. And I really thought there was a lot of value to, to even that idea of saying, no, we're looking for somebody who can lean in when we lean in right? Mm -hmm. Who can communicate. But I want to go back to communicate because I have a question for you. When you started having those healthy conversations with your boyfriend now, what, what were some, what is some of the verbiage you used? What was some of that you found helpful in communicating? Is there any like words that come to mind or thinking, thinking about that communication pattern that was helpful that when you guys started having that, those, those kind of conversations? So from day one, I always said, I'm at a stage in my life where I really want to build an open and transparent relationship because I think that that's how we can thrive on our own and together. So no shame. Like there is no space for shame in my relationship because the second that we shame the other one for something that we've gone through, I know that, you know, we, we fractured what we have because shame is just like the most corrosive thing. So sometimes we might have to have uncomfortable discussions, but I think that that's, or I've learned that that's how we can build a comfortable relationship. So for anyone listening, maybe that's something you could say to your partner, you know, sometimes we might have to have uncomfortable discussions, but I want to have them to take us towards a comfortable relationship. Because sometimes I think that people just think, oh God, here she goes again. She just wants to talk about feelings again or emotions again. And it's not that I want to sit here and hash out feelings and like laugh and cry and make out. It's that I want to do these so we can be stronger. So yes. I think yes. that's my my first point. And my second point, I think would be saying that never blaming it on them. So the old me would have said, when you went out last night, mm -hmm. it made me feel like this. And what I have learned from therapy is to take it into the middle ground. So I just want to talk to you about something that makes me feel uncomfortable. I've learned that when my partner goes out, it sometimes makes me feel X, Y, Z. And I'd love to just discuss how we can navigate this, not pinning it and pointing on them when they feel then like defensive and full of blame. Boy, that is so key. That is so valuable because what you're hitting on is that we make it so personal. It's if they loved me. So therefore it's like an assault against their love for me. And it mm. becomes so personal. And when you remove it from the personal, and you make it about something out here. And I loved even how you did your, your body language was like, no, we can talk about something that's sitting here, a situation. We're talking situational so that it's not about like you and it's not about me. And that takes that that takes off that blame that takes it makes it lighter. Right. I, I also like what you said there, too. 
I love this is why I love tag teaming with you. I'm like, oh, let me add some psychological elements to what, <laughs> what you're saying. You what you're saying is we need if the cool girl, if the cool girl stays too long and we don't learn to tend to our body, then we get this built up and built up and built up feelings in the beginning of a relationship. When we have uncomfortable conversations, we are keeping the pipe clean. No mountain can build, but we have to kind of say to the cool girl, okay, we see you. I know you're trying to protect us. We don't want to get rejected here. We got to learn to have a voice or else we're going to have our pipes going to get so clogged. That, that our body eventually is going to go off like a, a, a clogged pipe that just like poosh, like shoots through the air, right? Right. And so that's what we're doing. We are addressing these uncomfortable conversations for the sake of our future relationship. When we put something into action, I always acknowledge and thank him for doing so. So for example, if he goes out and he says, okay, babe, I'm going to this nightclub. And then he messages me. So when I wake up in the morning, because we're obviously six hours different, you know, he's like, hey, babe, I'm going to bed. Fine. I thank him the next day. And actually, like you said, it gets into a point where you don't need to do these things anymore. So now six months in, I don't say thank you anymore. And I don't think I need to. Just like probably now, if he didn't message me when he went to bed, I probably would also be fine. But at the beginning, I would say to him, I really appreciate you doing that last night. Yes, It made me feel X, Y, Z, and I'm very grateful. Yes, that reinforcement is important. If What's the best way to get something to keep doing something? Praise them for that. Now, I've also heard people coming in being like, I shouldn't have to tell them what to do. That's just like a given. Well, if we take that stand, we're not helping ourselves. Why? Because human nature is everybody does things better with reinforcement. Also, I also hear the comment a lot like, this is common sense. They should just know this. Well, not everybody had the same upbringing. You can either have a chance of leaning, leaning in and communicating because I hear this one's like, I'm not their mother. I hear, I can't tell you how many times I hear that. no. You're you're right, but they did not have the same upbringing that you did. And so sometimes it's being able to communicate, this is what meets my needs, and they're going to have different things that meet their needs, right? When I'm working with couples, I'll actually take them through this exercise. I'll have them sit down in front of me. I'll take a jar. And I'll say, what's often happening is you think you're doing so much for your partner. Look at, I do, I take, I do their laundry. I make sure I say good morning to them. You're doing everything that would fill your tank. And so what I'll have them do is make a list of three or four things that when your partner does this, it really fills your tank. So that when you're doing something and then you take note of what your partner says, when you're doing it, it's really filling their tank, not your own tank, their tank right? And so I'll have them. And that's oftentimes the disconnect there. There's always a disclaimer with the exercise. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to do that with your partner. Say some crazy therapist, some girl from London, they said, I I should try this exercise. But I would, but there's only a disclaimer though. You can't let, you can't add on your list like, oh, it fills my tank when you're not annoying. No, we're not, we're not (laughs) doing that. Right. But actually, what are some things? What are three or four things that fill your tank? Have your partner write down the same. So you may say, oh, I thought all along I was doing all this stuff to like make you feel loved. And it's not what you need. If you're away from me getting that goodnight text, that's what you need, right? And so really making sure you're connecting with the other person. Okay, I've got one thing to say here and then I've got a question. At one point about a year ago was in the I should be his lover, not his mother category. It's not for me to teach him. I'm not ready to mother you to teach you how to communicate. The reason that I had that strong opinion was because I had dated so many men that were so emotionally immature, Mm -hmm. so unable to communicate that I did so much heavy grafting and heavy lifting that I just got to the point where I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like it's not my job, blah, blah, blah. Then as I kept going through therapy, I've come back to that middle ground, which is that, like you said, everyone is different. It is not your job to raise them and teach them, but every relationship is a compromise. This is what you have learned about love. This is what I have learned about love. This is what you have learned about conflict. This is what I've learned about conflict. How can we meet in the middle 
Yes. So we can like do this differently, not the way you do it, not the way I do it. And we just find our own way here, like a healthy way from both of us. Yeah. Yes. And I, I love that you brought in the other side of the swing and believe this or not, this has totally to do with what we're talking about today too, which is somebody that says, well, what if I ask for those needs and then they're not doing it. And then I feel like I'm parenting them or I'm nagging them because like I'm asking, saying, hey, this is what I need. But that's when you need to take a really good look at in front of you and say, this is who I have. I've communicated. I just said, this is what I know I need. And if they're still, if their actions do not match up, that's where I simply say, this is what I have. Does this work for me? Because you aren't going to get them to jump in that box. But I think so many people are afraid to ask that question of, I'm not ever to answer that question and say, I'm not so sure this is working for me. So then they stay there and they resent them that they feel like they have to parent them and mother them. So you're right. There is a balance and a compromise that says, yeah, I'm going to have to communicate what I need. I'm going to have to, I know I'm going to need a partner that can lean in, that wants to lean in, right? A willingness. Willingness is the key. Not that they have everything, not that they come already pre-wired with everything we need, but a willingness to learn and to lean in, right? Mm -hmm. And then also boundaries to say, all right, this is what I have. Does this work for me? Right. And so bringing that element as well. I want to circle back because you also mentioned something earlier in your healthy communication, which I think is really important. And that is no personal attacks, no personal attacks. You can resolve what I'm looking for in couples is healthy repair, not no conflict. I'm more concerned about no conflict than conflict, by the way, as yeah, a therapist. Same. <laughs> if it's like we never fight, I'm more concerned about you than the one that's like, oh, we fight. Right. <laughs> so I, because what I'm looking for is how we repair healthy repair. And one of the most, one of the things that gets in the way of healthy repair are personal attacks. That's like throwing an arrow. And so even though everything may resolve and come back down and your body may regulate, those arrows don't come out. Yeah. And I read from the Gottman Institute that they said that criticism is, or personal attacks is one of the four predictors of relationship breakdown yes. and divorce. Yes. So I think that's something that we all just need to not be doing, like as simple as that. And just going back to what you said about boundaries, because I also think that as well as the ability to repair, taking it back right to the beginning, I think there's this really interesting discussion that you said, you know, you're scared to ask questions. And I think people aren't having that initial early on discussion, like what does cheating mean to you? So mm. people are kind of going through these situations and then bam, this exploded because, you know, it's just used like, for example, some people will consider watching porn cheating and other people mm -hmm. will be like, of course, that's not cheating. That's crazy. He, she can do that whenever they want. Mm -hmm. Some people might consider talking to, like, yeah, this is a real life situation. Like one of my uh, loose, long gone flames, we still talk and it's very about work and no romantic spark. I haven't seen him in five years. And, you know, for me, my boyfriend, he, he doesn't love that or he didn't love it initially. Now I think he's okay because he's like, I trust you fully. If you think this is a, a way to act with integrity, I trust you, which I love. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think people don't say like, what is cheating for you? Where are the ruptures going to come in this relationship? You know, on a night out, if you do this or don't do this, where's the issues going to come? And I think that if you don't have those combos, then it's going to like end up in an explosion. I love right? that. I, I absolutely love that because, and, and because what you're speaking to is how many misunderstandings happen. Yeah. That's a much better way. That's what I was trying to say. No, I love it. No, no, I love it. No, because it's so <laughs> true though, because there's a sense of like, oh, this was my expectation. This is just what it means. Then realizing, oh, somebody else may have a different space in their head, a different narrative of what that means. And so being able to have those, and I always love coming in. I love language because language can be so powerful. So I, I also love how language can actually neutralize things. So I like, if you already know it's an uncomfortable, like how are you supposed to bring up a conversation about that? Sometimes what I'll do is I will actually lead with like, 
This is like, this isn't just awkward to talk about or, hey, I got to talk about something that's uncomfortable. I will actually speak out what the emotion is because if you lead with that, it actually brings it down and helps regulate your body, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. So even being able to say, can we just have that uncomfortable conversation? You know, I, I feel like we're just getting ready to wrap up here soon, but I want to bring up something else that I think is important to, to pay attention to as well. We're talking about hard conversations. We're talking about two things that can get loaded things that we can get in our head about. We're trying to figure out how to regulate our body and how to communicate at the same time. By the way, it's going to be chunky. It's going to be chunky. If you think you're going to be able to regulate your body, learn how to lean in, have smooth conversations, it's like learning a new language. And think about how you sound when you're learning a new language. So give yourself a lot of space to work it out. But I want to also make sure too. think about it as levels in relationships. Level one in relationships is the kind of communication where it's like, oh, what do you want for dinner? Level two is where we're having those harder conversations, little deeper conversations. If we have too many level two conversations, it gets weighted. The relationship starts to feel heavy. That's where you often feel, honestly, a lot of guys being like, oh God, here we go again. If we only stay in level one, then we're shallow and we're surfacey and our relationship doesn't have any roots or meat to it. So we want to learn how to find this balance that says we're going to live in level one. We're going to go down and visit level two, and then we'll come back up to level one. So that the relationships, if you had a hard conversation the day before, even maybe saying, okay, I feel this in my body, but let me see if I can space this out a little bit. I'm not discounting my body. I'm not pretending like it's not there, but I know if I have heavy conversation after heavy conversation after heavy conversation, the relationship starts to feel really loaded. Mm, yeah, you're so right. I love that concept of spacing it out. And I think before we wrap up, I've got one question that I want to ask you. Sure. I don't even know what time we're at on this podcast, but I think this is a really important one. So I'm going to go for it. And my question that I have for you is, I think in this category that we're talking about today of trust issues that aren't trust issues come the boyfriend or girlfriend that's still in contact with their ex, the boyfriend and girlfriend that has slept with or hooked up with people that are now their friends, and the guy or girl that has a lot of different sex friends. So for example, mm -hmm. like the guy that has loads of girlfriends or the girl that has loads of guy friends. Now, I know there's no one size fits all answer for this. And I know it's definitely like just navigating on a case by case basis. But I also understand that it can make people feel deeply insecure. So how would you advise people to navigate that? Gosh, this is such a real one. This is such a real thing. You're right. It's not a one size fits all. So the key here is figuring out in your individual body what you're okay with. And if I'm okay with that, would I also be okay with that on the other side? So we don't want to be hypocrites critical? Am I willing to let something go both ways? But also being able to say, eh, what do I feel okay with and what do I don't? As a therapist, what I'm looking for is emotional detachment. Just because someone's divorced does not mean they're not attached to their ex. Just because someone broke up with an ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend does not mean that they are not emotionally still entangled right? Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for that emotional detachment. So that often takes time. It's a little tricky when people have kids and they've been divorced. I understand that. That makes it, that's a hard one. It's such a tough one. At the same time, you have to be able to say, have a voice to be able to say what you're comfortable with in your body and what you're not. If your gut's going off though, like, eh, like I just still feel like that that person's their favorite. You're in a romantic relationship because you want a favorite. We all want to be somebody's favorite. Mm -hmm. We all, I mean, that's what that little girl and little boy of us are longing is to have somebody say, you are my person. You are my favorite person. I love you to the moon and back. We are ride and die. I'm not going everywhere. That's what we're desiring in our heart. Mm. Your gut goes off when it feels like, why do I feel like a piece of that is going to somebody else? Mm. So do I yeah. believe you can have healthy relationships with boundaries? Yes. Do I believe 
And and I've seen this conversation. I've seen this in my in my personal life, in my real life as well, like my life, is that there are times when you get into a relationship, you have to dial back those friendships because yeah. now you have a significant other. So that means your other friendships have to change. Yeah. They have to change. And if your partner isn't giving you that, that's where you want to be able to say, I'm not sure this is feeling super great. I'm not sure this is ever going to feel super great. And it's yeah. finding out those healthy boundaries that make your partner feel safe. Yeah. I love it. Perfect end to the episode. I think for me, I I had that recently. I was like, yep. Do you know what? If I switch this round, I don't think that I would feel good. So even though it feels totally fine to me, actually that's me being slightly hypocritical. And I'm actually just going to stop having this conversation right now and say, you know, you're right. I took on board what you said. If it doesn't make you feel good, it's not going to happen anymore. Yes, exactly. That trying it on, how would I feel if this was going on on the other side? And realizing yeah. I don't, doesn't mean I have to cut a friend out if I can pull it back to and, and set different boundaries with that friendship. But again, what does that send? What message does that send your partner? You matter. You're important to me. And if there, if your partner isn't giving that to you, then you could say, you know, when when I when, when you're texting with her in this way, or when I see this, it makes me feel. There's the track back. It makes there's a situation right? When there's a friendship like this going on, there's that situation we talked about. It makes me feel like I'm not important. And it makes me feel like I'm not valued in this relationship. Mm-hmm. So we can use those track backs too. Mm-hmm. But those are, those are tough. Those are tricky situations, but again, leaning into the uncomfortable. I love where we went today, girl. I love that. I love that we're addressing something that often isn't highlighted, which is like trust issues, but without, but, but what, how would we even say it? Yeah. Issues with no reason to not trust. Yeah, basically. It's that no man's land that no one, no one talks about where it's like our own trauma is often causing the trust issues rather than the other person actually causing. I I just love, we're going to capture that. Welcome to no man's land. No, welcome to no man's life. Trust issues where there is no reason not to trust. Goosebumps. Yeah, that's it. I got it. Okay. Well, let's tell people where they can find us. Um, Tell them where they can find you and we'll go from there. Yes, you can find me on Instagram at I am Louise Rumble and the Open House Podcast at exactly that. So the Open House Podcast. Okay. And for me, so my mom's a therapist on TikTok a podcast, same name, Instagram, YouTube, same name. So my mom's a therapist um, on, on all of those platforms. Well, with that, I look forward to seeing you soon. Me too. That was amazing. You'll wait till Thank our you. next time. All right. Me take too. Care. Bye.